0: The study of the rise of Samuel from the devastation of Shiloh to be prophet, priest, and judge is a fascinating one. And today, Pastor Greg Scalzo will be continuing his message from 1 Samuel as part of a Through the Bible series on the source and nature of heavenly authority. Hi, I'm Patty Scalzo, and this radio broadcast is Shi'ar Jeshu, brought to you by the Church of Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle of Madison, Connecticut. It is the joy of our fellowship to bring you these in-depth studies in God's Word, and we hope you find them helpful to your growth in the Lord. So now let's rejoin my husband as he ministers in our Sunday service. Pastor Greg will be reading from chapter 3, starting at verse 1.
1: Now, the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. This is the third time we've read that. Remember, back in chapter 2, verse 11, when his father Elkanah goes back, it says a child ministered to the Lord before Eli. In chapter 2, verse 18, in the middle of the horrendous sins of Eli's sons, we read, but Samuel ministered before the Lord, even as a child wearing his little linen ephod. And now we read here, again, that the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. He's learning about the Lord. He's even learning the priesthood as he follows around and serves the old man Eli. He's in humble service to Eli, and he's serving in the tabernacle area. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. Notice that during the period of Judges, there's a falling away. There's an apostasy. The people did wickedly and evil in the sight of the Lord. Over and over again, we read about this cycle of the people sinning, God removing his hand, letting them be turned over to their enemies. The people cry out for deliverance. God raises up a judge, raises up a deliverer. There's a revival in Israel, and as soon as the judge dies, we studied what? They go right back into their wicked ways. There's apostasy. And now we read here in 1 Samuel, even in Shiloh, terrible wickedness is being done by the priesthood. Eli's sons are doing abominable things in the tabernacle. And so the word of the Lord is rare. Very rare. Now, it's still there, right? We just read in chapter 2 about the man of God who comes to Eli with the proclamation, but it's rare. And we can learn something from that. In Psalm 74, it describes this condition. There are moments of time when it's as though the windows are open and the heavens pour out and the Spirit is so prevalent and there are miracles and there are wonders and healings happen quickly and there are times of blessings and there are other times It's as though that window is shut. And in Psalm 74, the singers from Asaph, they say, O God, why have you cast us off forever? Why does your anger smoke against the sheep of your pasture? Verse 9, we do not see our signs. There is no longer any prophet, nor is there any among us who knows how long. O oh God, how long will the adversary reproach? Will the enemy blaspheme your name forever? Why do you withdraw your hand, even your right hand? Take it out of your bosom and destroy them, for God is my king from old, working salvation in the midst of the earth. That was. Psalm 74, verse 1, and then 9 to 12. God pulls back his hand. It's as though he takes his hand and he puts it in his vest. The enemies are able to blaspheme. They have victory. Satan, the adversary, has a victory. There are no longer any signs to see. And there's no longer, he says, any profit. And when a society pulls away from God, there's very little of the miraculous. Rather, it's the earthly way and very little of the supernatural. It's mostly the natural. And you don't misunderstand what I'm saying. If you think about the book of Esther, right? And the people were sent into captivity in Babylon because of their sins. The book of Esther is an interesting book because the name of God is never once spoken or read about in the book of Esther. And yet God still works, right? He still preserves his people. He works through human affairs. He directs human beings to intervene and the nation of Israel is saved from Haman. So God is still working. God is always there. He's behind the scenes. But it's not the direct miraculous as when the Red Sea parts and then it comes on the chariots of Pharaoh. It's not the word of the Lord being proclaimed verse after verse as in Isaiah. It's very subtle and much of history When the people of God have pulled away from God, God is working behind the scenes, but there's a darkness that comes in. And you think about how in church history, initially you have the gospel going throughout the whole world. You have the day of Pentecost. You have the book of Acts. You have the epistles. You have the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. People on fire for the Lord Jesus Christ. And then with time, there's a muddying of the teachings, there's a people going astray, and there's silence. Now there's pockets again of prophecy, but it's rare. And every generation is something, the Lord always has a prophet someplace, but it's rare. And for the most part, there's silence. Then you have the first great awakening, the second great awakening. Really only the last hundred years, this past century we came out of, did you have people knowledgeable about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the fire from heaven. And again, you had the anointed gifts of the Holy Spirit. But as a society pulls away, God pulls back his hand. And so at this time with the sin in Israel, there's a silence and prophecy and the miraculous become rare. In Lamentations, chapter 2 and verse 9, Jeremiah cries. He says, her gates have sunk into the ground, speaking about Jerusalem and God's anger with Jerusalem. He has destroyed and broken her bars. Her kings and her princes are among the nations. The law is no more and her prophets find no vision from the Lord. Amos, in Amos chapter 8 and verse 11, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. They shall wander from sea to sea, from north to east, And they shall run to and fro, seeking the word of the Lord, but shall not find it. And that happens to northern Israel before they get taken into captivity. It happens to southern Judah. But really it's fulfilled in the largest degree in that time period, slightly before 400 B.C., when you have the last books of the Old Testament until you go to the early first century AD when you had John the Baptist's ministry again. For those hundreds of years, there's silence. The word of the Lord, there's a drought and the word of the Lord can't be found and the people are thirsty and God doesn't speak to them. Let's go back to 1 Samuel chapter three, verse two. And it came to pass at that time While Eli was lying down in his place, and when his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see. So he's getting very old. He's getting quite old. And who's going to replace him? His two wonderful sons there. And he has no one except his little boy Samuel who's following him around. Verse 3, And before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord where the ark of God was and while Samuel was lying down. What does that mean? Before the lamp of God went out. Let me remind you of what we studied in Exodus chapter 27, how one of the responsibilities of the priest in 2720, and you shall command the children of Israel that they bring you pure oil of pressed olives for the light, to cause the lamp to burn continually. In that outer room, the tabernacle, separated by the curtain from the most holy place there was the lamp the menorah the lampstand and that light was supposed to be a light that every day it would go on it says in verse 21 in the tabernacle of meeting outside the veil which is before the testimony that's the ark aaron and his sons shall tend it from evening until morning before the lord it shall be a statute forever to their generations on behalf of the children of Israel. So every day, there was to be this light as the sun sets from evening to morning. They were to go there. It was the responsibility of the priest to light this light and to have a light always in the tabernacle. And it was to be tended from evening until morning. So when it says here, before the lamp of God went out, you know it's just before morning. The lamp is still lit in the tabernacle. It's the early morning hours. At this point, very possibly living quarters have been added to the tabernacle. You have Eli resting in his quarters. The translation on verse 3, where it says, And before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord, where the ark of God was, and while Samuel was lying down, different translations move those clauses. The NIV, for example, will say, The lamp of God had not yet gone out, And Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the Ark of God was. And you could pick up different translations, and there's a disagreement where you place the clause uh, where the Ark of God was. Is it speaking about the candle, the lampstand, or is it speaking about young Samuel? That not only is he sleeping in the tabernacle area, one of the rooms adjacent to the tabernacle, where Eli would have his residence, where the Levites would have their residence. He could possibly be in the tabernacle itself, outside the veil, by the candles, by the menorah, sleeping there maybe on the floor. If that's the case, we see the tremendous grace of God to this young child who is not a descendant of Aaron, how in innocence he's able to be in a close proximity to the Ark of the Covenant. And he's there and he's resting. Remember, he's ministered there. He's held the utensils and the implements for Eli. And you notice how what's going to happen here happens in that time of early morning in the night. A prophecy is going to happen. And many times you'll receive prophecy. You'll receive a word, a touch from God. David says, when I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watch. That's Psalm 63. He's near sleep and he's going to hear a voice.
0: You have been listening to the teaching ministry of Greg Scalzo, pastor of Shear Jashub Christian Tabernacle of Madison, Connecticut. I know that it is difficult in today's fast paced world to take time to write, but if you could drop us a postcard, your words of encouragement are most appreciated. Our address is Shear Jashub Christian Tabernacle, Post Office Box 518. Branford, Connecticut 06405. Sunday service for Sheer Jeshub Christian Tabernacle is held in Madison, Connecticut, at the Madison Memorial Town Hall on Meeting House Lane in Madison. Take I-95 to exit 61. Go south to Route 1. turn right and at the next light, turn right again. We are in the upper room of the yellow and white brick building. If you will be in the Madison, Connecticut area, we welcome you to join us for worship, prayer, the Lord's Supper, and study in God's Holy Word. May the Lord keep you safe in His blessed hands, as with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, you serve Him.